All right, three, two, one. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. He came to my attention through my producer in the UK, and he's written and posting a lot of very interesting information on his Twitter feed. Uh, he goes by the title Saturnalia Sundown. Uh, I'll reference him as Sundown, but in particular, we're going to talk about a fascinating case that I remember that involved a young man in the far western part of Brazil, really closer to, uh, I think, Chile, uh, that part of Brazil, that um, he wrote that he had this very strange room with very cryptographic insignias and statuaries, little statuarial figures. His name was Bruno Borges, and uh, that story kind of came to the surface and you know, it kind of came out of my perspective. I wasn't really following it, but uh, Sundown has followed it. So I'm going to ask him a few questions, and he's going to talk about this interesting case and maybe some of the other research that he's done um, on other kind of parapolitical so- subjects. So, Sundown, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. Well, Great I, to be here. Thank oh, you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you agreeing to the interview. I was going through your Twitter feed with great interest on all these other different subjects as well, but... For people who aren't aware of you, can you talk a little bit about your background and how you became interested in these subjects and then lead into uh, the odd case of Bruno Borges? So um, I'd say this all sort of began when I was basically a sensibly a young child. Um, I've been pretty deeply interested in esotericism, the occult and uh, stuff like that since I was 11, 12. Um, I started using uh, 4chan very early. Um, I started browsing 4chan when I was 10 or 11 in the fifth grade, sixth grade. And around the same time, I was uh, listening to a lot of like uh, industrial music, like Throbbing Gristle, uh, Current 93, I'm sure you know, or maybe have heard about how they're sort of all tied up with the Lima and yes. Chaos Magic and yes. stuff like that. And um, I essentially just spun off from there. I got really into Philip K. Dick. Um, I was enamored for several years with the concept of Gnostic Christianity, um, and uh, I've become less so in recent years. Um, And essentially, I've just tried to make a relatively thorough study of uh, Western esotericism as it relates to um, conspiracy theory, basically. Um, in, uh, In more recent years, I think we live in a very political climate, so... Um, just like you're saying, parapolitics, the two uh, sort of are inseparable from each other once you sort of know enough about occult philosophy and the motivations that might really be motivating things going on in the world. Agreed. Agreed. It leads you right to the occult, really, because uh, you it, realize it that's, does, why, yeah. uh, that's why they're on the fringes or that's why they're hidden. That's where they're occulted. Right. So how did you get into this subject of Bruno Borges? And, and can, I don't recollect the actual date that this story surfaced, but can you give a primer to the listener if they don't recall or have not heard of this, please? Um, so I think it would be beneficial to talk about uh, Cicada 3301 first. Perfect. Um, it sort of segues into the Borges case. Um, so this all started on uh, January 12th, 2012. Um, so I was 16 at the time and a very heavy 4chan user, and I, of course, mag- or, uh, gravitated towards the uh, Paranormal Board X, which is uh, where people would discuss uh, paranormal and conspiracy theory things. And uh, are you familiar with the concept of an ARG? I'm it, not. Uh, Could you explain that? So an ARG stands for an alternate reality game. Um, these were pretty popular um, 
they're sort of less popular in recent years. They were sort of a, a relic of, say, like late 2000s internet culture, wherein um, basically a set of clues um, would be presented in a public place and on the internet. And that would lead you down solving the clues to find sort of like a progressive storyline. You would you would sort of sketch out the an idea of a plot, and uh, a lot a lot of them were uh, very sort of paranormal themed, or very creepy in implication, um, in order to I guess like uh, make the players or the solvers feel like they were progressing down this sort of very real conspiracy. Um, and I'd participated in a, a couple of those, um, one before Cicada and one after. Um, one which was, just ended up being nothing. It was basically an advertisement for this guy's noise band. And then um, one after, which was the Eratus ARG, which also ended up being basically nothing. It was an advertisement for another band. Um, and so these are often employed as uh, advertisements for products on um, Halo 2, the video game. Uh, was accompanied by one, a very easy one at its launch, um, which I did not participate in. But so on January 12th, 2012, there was an image posted on X on 4chan. And it was just a black image. And it said, hello, we are looking for highly intelligent individuals. To find them, we have devised a test. There is a message hidden in this image. It'll lead you to the next clue, basically, right? So... Um, this would eventually lead into a three, four year long saga that is in reality still ongoing, although at a much slower pace. Um, did this one have a title? Uh, th this was the beginning of Cicada, although okay, people gotcha. didn't quite know it yet. I see. Um, so, so basically the image was just this black and people assumed it was basically like any other ARG, that there would be a, a fun plot you could go down, there'd be a, a storyline you could follow, that you could, it would essentially be like a fun time to try and solve this, right? Um, but Cicada 3301 uh, differs from basically any other ARG that's ever existed on the internet. Um, uh, initially, because it's so much harder, it, it, the clues associated with Cicada 3301 are astonishingly difficult. They require a, basically a, a high professional level of proficiency in cryptography and uh, steganography. So basically code breaking and familiarity with programming and uh, image file types and encoding and stuff like that. And Cicada 3301 also is sort of surrounded in myths and legends around the internet, um, mainly focusing on the idea that it is not, in fact, a game, that it's real, that Cicada 3301 has some sort of higher purpose, that it's not just a, a fiction. You yeah, get interesting, yes. Right. So the the first image had a Caesar cipher in it. You, you the the first clue was very easy to solve. You just open up the image in Notepad, that gives you the image as binary. And at the very end of it, it had the word Caesar in it. People pretty quickly realized, okay, Caesar cipher. That's right. That's one of the, the for people who don't know. That's one of the early cryptographic encoded things. Right. One letter means yeah. Yeah. Letter. That um, if you're learning cryptography, that's basically the first one they teach you. That's right. it's like a very um, very easy thing to solve. Right. So people solved the Caesar cipher pretty much instantly. Um, and then that led to a URL with an image of a wooden duck on it, a decoy, like a hunting decoy, right? And 
it said, looks like you can't guess how to get the message out. So it was sort of playing with the, the people solving it. This was a, a wrong end. This was a decoy. And so people were stuck here for a while until they realized that hidden in the words was were the words outguess, right? Looks like you can't guess how to get the message out. So outguess is a kind of obscure piece of software from the 1990s that um, basically works to hide data inside the JPEG image encoding format. So when you save a JPEG, um, it, it's a lossy format. So it'll compress the image and it gets rid of uh, high frequency information within the image. That's why when you download and save JPEGs and just pass them back and forth between your friends or whatever, they start to look pixelated. They start to look all grainy. And so Outguess is a software that I had never heard of at the time, but a lot of people had, I guess, that uh, makes minute changes to the frequency of these tiny little pixels within the image that are completely invisible to the naked eye. But if you then pass that image with the altered data back through Outguess, you can essentially find whatever is hidden inside it. So people download Outguess. They run the image of the duck through it. And then this is where the game basically really starts. Right? Gotcha. So, so what, when they ran the duck through, what happened? So it gave them another image and a message from that sort of revealed that this was being run by a group of people called Cicada 3301. And what's um, that referencing? Could, uh, is that is that referencing something else? The name Cicada? Do you know? Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of theories about that. Um, pe- people think that uh, it might be related to the Magus Cicada, the the insect that um, they hibernate underground for a series of years then emerge. They think that there's some sort of symbolism to that. Um, people think that the number 3301 33 is obviously prominent within occult philosophy i mean it's it's the 33rd degree of freemasonry it's the age at which christ died it's the number of uh, vertebrae you have in your spine there's all sorts of esoteric um connotations with that but none of those ever have ended up really playing into the puzzle and so nobody really knows to this day how that relates or what the name really means and how, how many people do you think were participating in trying to figure out these puzzles that cicada 3301 was was uh, putting out on on what is it 4chan you said yeah so um it started out on 4chan and on the first day there were probably only i don't know a couple dozen or maybe under 100 people who were sort of interested in this it seemed to be just another sort of throwaway game for people to play but as the days progressed it became clear that this was a very very serious puzzle that there were very difficult clues and there were news stories written about it. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure where, but it pretty quickly spread off of 4chan. And basically 4chan was no longer really the hub to be in for solving it. A lot of this moved into um, private IRC groups and uh, basically groups of people who were dedicated cryptographers or studying cryptography who were sort of able to realize that, whoa, this is serious. And they they got really, really into it. And what happened as far as the puzzles? Do you know how many total puzzles were posted? Oh, there are dozens, dozens okay. and dozens. Um, so this is all happening in 2012. Um, Cicada, uh, they do a thing that's basically a yearly puzzle. So um, on January 5th of 2012, 2013, and 2014, they would 
basically run the game for that year, right? So, um, so inside or sorry, sorry. So you say that they their game resets on January fifth every year? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. So gotcha. they, they they basically intend um, all the people who win the game to have won it before the next cycle begins the next year. And are they actually telling people that they've solved it right, or is it all done secretly? Um, there's a complicated process for that. So um, Cicada, um, they work through PGP encryption. So you, they have always been very, very clear that uh, in order to communicate with them, if it doesn't have their specific public PGP key, um, it is not them talking to you. But there have been multiple instances in the puzzle where they would encourage people who've essentially reached different points in the game to give them email addresses. So you put in your own email address, and then they'll send you something with their attached PGP key so you know it's them. Interesting. And uh, those there's a variety of things. There's a wide variety of things that they... They ask people, but so the first year, 2012, only a very only a very small number of people actually managed to make it to the end of the game. Um, it was incredibly difficult. Um, I, I dropped out basically almost instantly. I wasn't capable of solving any of these cryptographic puzzles. Um, but so uh, basically, this if you did actually solve the puzzle, you would get a link to an Onion site on the Tor network, right? Um, the onion router. A lot of people call it the deep web or the dark web. Dark web, is, right, sure. Yeah. But so this was a private hidden website. You would put your email in, and then they would send you out an email. And the email would ask you um, basically a variety of philosophical questions. Um, and you would reply to these. The first years were, um, d uh, do all humans have a right to anonymity and privacy? Should information be free and does censorship harm humanity? Which sounds kind of innocuous. This sounds sort of like a libertarian kind of almost hacktivist type of thing. Right, like a right. specific part of the internet community, right? Yeah, I mean, which is exactly the type of people who would be into this, you know. Um, and so you, you would answer that and then they'd send you back an email that would... Uh, allow you to basically be the winner of the game. So only a very set number of people actually completed this, and only one of these people is actually known. Only one of them has come forward publicly to say that he won. Um, his name is uh, Marcus Warner, and there was a very good Rolling Stone article on him, and uh, to this day he's the only person who's ever acknowledged that he's actually won any of these contests. Remarkable. And he's, is he from the States? Is he from the U.S.? Yeah, he's from the U.S. He's um, he's basically like a, a child prodigy. He was 16 when he won it. Um, he was working on it with a group of um, people from all over the world. There was a guy from Norway and stuff, but he he was the only one who ended up uh, cracking the code himself. And so Warner says that, um, and this is all his his words that um, that when he won the game and he answered the questions, they sent him back an email that linked him to another Onion site, another Tor hidden service, that was a forum, okay? And so on the forum, there were a set number of people who were all working under pseudonyms. They told him that they were members of Cicada who had already been selected and already proved themselves in some way to be, like, joined as full members of this group, and that he was now, like, basically a prospect to join this group. 
they oh. uh, went on to say that they were, they called themselves a think tank. They compared themselves to a think tank, Interesting. saying that they were uh, developing methods to aid privacy and encryption online. And they tasked uh, Marcus and um, he said there were several other people who made it in. They're, they're all unknown to this day. But he said that they were all tasked to work together to develop uh, software tools to aid digital, pi uh, digital privacy, not piracy, privacy. Um, so Marcus says that he basically came up with an idea to uh, make a piece of software that would aid whistleblowers in um, basically doing like a sort of dead drop thing or like a dead man switch type of thing, right? Right. But he says that uh, communication with the with the original Cicada members was very poor and that uh, basically the entire thing just fell apart, that people just sort of stopped coming because there was no communication, nothing was ever actually developed and nobody ever actually ended up creating anything. He, then he says he went back to the Onion Forum one day to check in and it was gone and he never spoke to anyone from Cicada ever again. And that, what year was that? <clears throat> that, that was... Uh, towards the end of the puzzle in 2012. So it was that fast. So it was just a one year blip. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but then in 2013, this is where things get really interesting for me because this is where there's this, the, cause the first year of the puzzle was pretty innocuous. It just sounds like a libertarian sort of hacker adjacent code breaker, freedom of speech type of thing. Right. Right. The, the second year, it gets tinged with basically serious occultism. Um, so in January 2013, on the one-year anniversary of the first puzzle, there was a document that was posted on 4chan um, basically uh, only a few hours before the new puzzle was posted, right? So this document claims to be, it's posted anonymously, of course, and it does not have Cicada's PGP key, so it's it's regarded as unofficial or unverifiable. Right. Um, but it's a very intricate, um, basically, document that claims to be a leak from a Cicada insider. Um, he says that he's a member of Cicada for over a decade, um, that English is not his first language, and he gives a pretty dire warning for people to stay away from the Cicada puzzles. Um, he says that Cicada is an organization that basically presents itself as a scientific think tank. But that's, that's a ruse, that in reality, they are a left-hand path religious group. And this all sounds sort of fantastical. It sounds very cyberpunk, sort of Hollywood, I guess. But there are certain things in this message that kind of, kind of bear weight in my mind. What are those things? So... Um, he said the, so this guy, he says that he's a military officer. He says that he's approached by his superior. They discuss science, philosophy, politics, and they specifically discuss ideology, right? And so his superior has an abiding interest in Nietzsche, and they talk about the idea of, an, of the Ubermensch, and he's fascinated with the idea of the Ubermensch, right? Um, this idea that there's like a, a perfect form of man, a superman who will be above others. Um, the, the, the leaker's superior says that Cicada recruits from the military and academia and promising political figures to try to basically form 
uh, sort of an intelligence group that it's sort of um, they work using a, a sort of initiatory power structure that this is essentially a secret society that's not directly attached to any nation or any real um, official group, right? So he then he expounds on the beliefs of the organization, which have some specific things that jump out at me. Um, he says that they believe in the ideas of Francis Halian, who is a Belgian cyberneticist. He's a philosopher. Um, and he founded a group called the Global Brain Group, um, I believe in the 1980s. So the Global Brain Group promotes this idea of the a global brain or a global mind. Um, this is a pretty common idea that you'll probably run across if you read about sort of occultism or anything like that for a long period of time. The idea essentially being that the earth is essentially a mind, that if you think of every human on the planet as a neuron, then you can think of communication between humans as being analogous to communication between neurons. And this sort of forms a, a sort of macro mind over the earth, right? And so I looked into this idea pretty deeply, and I figured out that this idea is not new, and it did not originate with Halian. It originated with a French Jesuit named uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who worked with a Russian scientist named Vladimir Vernadsky, and they originally called this concept the Neosphere. Um, Neosphere, right. Was it from yeah. the book, The uh, Changing Images of Man? Is that right? Um, I believe so, yeah. 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 Um, so this is sort of like a, a I mean, I, I've heard of the Neosphere before. It's in video games. It's in the Stalker series. That's a big part of that video game. Um, but basically, it's, it's the same idea that there's this sort of invisible force or something like that, which, or a force or an energy, which is created by thoughts and this sort of surrounds the earth and can influence reality. This is sort of similar to ideas of like Schumann resonance or um, uh, basically like the, the global unconscious that, that there, there's a, a measurable state essentially to human consciousness, group human consciousness that can have powerful effects in material reality. Okay. So that originates with this Jesuit though. Okay. And so then that's a little interesting to me because the very next point of this ostensible warning says that they, the Cicada group believes um, in Jesuitical concepts such as the ends justifying the means. They're very amoral. Um, and they also believe in total freedom of information. So that sort of makes a lot of sense because Halian wrote about how as information becomes more free and communication becomes faster between humans, that can sort of be likened to an increase in intelligence in the global brain, right? It's faster in processing power. It's more powerful. It's a more powerful mind. So that links up pretty, pretty well with essentially the, this warning. And that, I this just makes a lot of sense, even though this is sort of a very Hollywood, very, sensationalist idea that there's this secret society trying to do something like that. Um, the warning goes on to say that it, that this is essentially like a very religious organization that they tell their followers, uh, this aphorism to, uh, find a death every day, which is another sort of Jesuitical concept. I mean, that's one of these sayings like find a death every day, uh, create your own fear. These are like concepts that the Jesuits teach in order to basically exert social control. So, 
that's just very interesting. Um, so basically, the the warning goes on to say that as you continue up in this organization, they teach sort of more more blatantly religious concepts. They teach that there is no soul apart from the body. They teach that there's that there's no salvation to be found because there's nothing from which to be saved. These are very sort of left hand path like. Um, sort of almost satanic ideas, right? I mean, if you're working under a Christian mindset. Um, they also specifically teach there is no objective reality, that perception creates reality. That wow. Via, and the this is a, obviously a very, very common feature in all occult writing, Cold writing chaos right. magic all the way back, yeah. that, that if you can change your own perception or maybe more powerfully change group perception, you can directly manifest events into reality. I mean, ma- magic exists as the uh, the the science of turning will into action. Or, uh, I'm not sure if that's the exact quote, but what's uh, changing uh, conform by the power of the will? What is it? Making change in conformance with the will? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. So that drops on the on the one year anniversary of. Cicada 3031. So people on the forum are reading this, they're freaking out. Some people sort of are drawing connections between this and what's been going on with Cicada. Some people are kind of concerned about this. And then only a few hours after that, it's the start of the next clue. It's the start of the next year's puzzle. And so this sort of, I mean, I think there's kind of two possibilities here. There's the sort of very shocking sort of cinematic idea that this was like a leaker who was trying to preempt the puzzle that year or it's meant to sort of be flavor for the puzzle that it's meant to sort of lend sort of like an occultic cast to this year's puzzle to sort of scare people and sort of maybe even drum up more interest because of how sort of frightening those ideas are right interesting so then it went on for a whole nother year is that correct Yes, and specifically this year, the puzzles were a lot different. Um, the first puzzle uh, uh, basically led you to Liber Alvel Legis, uh, Crowley's Book of the Law. Um, it used what's called a book cipher. So you get a long string of random numbers, and then you have to sort them into pairs, the first number being the line in the book, and the second number being the character on the horizontal axis of that line, right? So people had to basically sort through the entirety of Liber Alvel Legis to find characters in order to um, sort out the next clues. Right? Interesting. So they basically are forcibly studying, making people study yeah, the book of the law. They're making people study the book of the law for a long period of time, like right. over and over again. Interesting. So they're definitely directing people's attention and time towards whatever book they're trying to promote at that time. Yeah, exactly. And... So then people eventually solve that puzzle. They get a long string of characters, a lot of new clues, and that leads them to another image that has the Anglo-Saxon runic alphabet in it. And this puzzle is a gematria puzzle, which is a, a sort of a Kabbalistic concept, you know, where a, an alphabet is, uh, all the letters in an alphabet are assigned numerical values. Hmm? Right. So... The, the puzzles have sort of changed in cast. I mean, this you're doing gematria. That's basically high occultism. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, so did it just lead on down that road of leading people through occult training, uh, you know, steps? Um, essentially. So basically there were a lot more puzzles, but when you 
got to sort of the end of, of this segment of puzzles, it linked them, because you remember last year, then 2012, there was a set of philosophical questions asking you about freedom of information and stuff like that. So this year, there's another set of questions, but these ones are a lot different. Um, these ones are blatantly philosophical and, in my mind, quite occult as well. They ask you to um, respond to, is there no truth? Um, uh, does observation change the thing being observed? Um, there's a reference to the Zen koan about uh, the... There, there's a famous Zen koan, I think it's maybe the most famous Zen koan, of about a monk who goes to see the master, and he, the master asks him who he is, and he says, oh, I'm a, a student, and then the master's like, no, who are you? And basically it leads down this whole rabbit hole and, until the monk just has to say, oh, I am. So there's sort of a mystic philosophy in there. But two of these questions really jump out at me. You can find these online. The first one is, there is no truth, and the second is, all things are true. So you have to respond to both of these questions interesting and if i don't know if if you've read this those are basically the saying of hassan isaba who was the head of the hashanshins during the crusades he was an 11th century um muslim leader um and that's sort of interesting to me because the hashanshins were basically a mystic sect they were an initiatory military order that was known for basically two things. They were known for unflinching loyalty, and they were masters of psychological warfare and specifically propaganda. So there's these sort of veiled references to initiatory orders and propaganda. Interesting. But the, the actual phrase or the axiom of Hassan is Sabah is nothing is true, everything is permitted. Yeah, correct, correct. And most people might know that from like Assassin's Creed, but that was a very a very real concept, which um, I believe Crowley also wrote about. Um, I'm not yes. sure in which no, of his books. Um, it, yeah. yeah, but so that sort of brings to mind propaganda. And then I'm reading these questions, and another one is um, uh, another one of these questions is to explain the difference between a Facebook feed and reality. So you're in this real mindset of nothing being true, everything being permitted, and that um, perception does create reality and that it can be done through propaganda. That sort of seems to be the implication here. Um, I mean, uh, oh, I should have mentioned William S. Burroughs and uh, Robert Anton Wilson also used that phrase right. um, in Naked Lunch and in the Illuminatus trilogy. So just more, more occult connections. You can see that there. they reference it in the uh, movie performance with Donald Camel, Mick Jagger. They, they have a sequence of uh, Hassan is Sabah. And that's an initiatory, initiatory um, scene or vignette within that film, which uh, literally the director sat on the knee of Aleister Crowley. So, really? Yes. I, have, I haven't seen that film often. Yeah, often. look at performance. I actually did a uh, documentary titled The Cult Hollywood Volume 2 where I talk about that film because Camel himself was an initiate. He, was, he integrated all these occult things into it. And performance itself had some interesting elements because they referenced Borges, right? Not exactly the same name. As oh, this, oh but... the, the writer Borges. Correct. Of, um, El Aleph, yeah. Yeah, correct. So you have all these ideas of... He was a very literary camel was and integrated many, many references into his films, which he wrote. Interesting. Sorry, interesting. So, yeah. Check it out. Oh, I will. Performance was ranked number the uh, best 100 
British films of all time, and it's kind of a little bit like Eyes Wide Shut in the sense that it was re-edited, it was met with so much scandal, there was drug taking and nudity, that you really don't even know what the the real director's intent was because it was recut by the studio over and over again. But you can still see pieces of it, and you can tell it's about identity, it's about who you are, the, 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 the Ch- Jagger and the other lead character change visages, it's really, uh, it's really a remarkable, remarkable book. I mean, for somebody who like looks at the occult from the outside, you can tell it's all there. Oh yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. But but you you can see these are sort of these are sort of recurrent themes that indicate a really sort of an authentic understanding of essentially high occultism that's been sort of slowly introduced, but it's it's definitely there and. Now, people who are solving these puzzles are essentially familiar with a lot of these concepts, or they maybe already were familiar with a lot of these concepts, and maybe they agree with them. I don't know. Well, they're definitely being initiated through a step-by-step yeah. process. You could look at each one of these clues as a, a step up the initiatory ladder, to so to speak. I mean, you're, the, the, whoever's running this kind of uh, alternate reality game is definitely changing people's... Uh, they're actually learning about magic... While it's happening to them themselves, it seems like. They definitely are. And so interestingly, nobody who has ever passed this phase ever came forward to say they won. So people think that people eventually sort of won this this year of the contest, but nobody is really sure who. Interesting. Um, not, not one person's ever came forward to say that they won it. Fascinating. Well, Wanner, the guy you mentioned, who is from Virginia, says that he has the PGP key and he has money on online. You know, online saying, "I can prove that I got something from this key that I won." You know. He's oh yeah, yeah. He, he definitely won in twenty twelve. Yeah. It's it's indisputable I'm, uh, that that he he completed the twenty twelve puzzle. But it's almost there's like an element to this whole situation that's kind of it reminds me of the Enigma machine where they put out very complex crosswords to try to farm for the smartest people. It reminds yeah, me a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's definitely an element of it. That, yeah. that, that this is sort of acting as like a filter to find people who are the most dedicated and the most intelligent and, I mean, would ostensibly be the most useful to be to a group like this. Yeah, like an invisible college or something yeah. like that, something Rosicrucian. Yeah. Like they have these invisible colleges still today. Even there's an article, I can't remember the title of it, but there's one going on in Silicon Valley amongst all these... You know, tech giants. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me at no, all. It does yeah, exist. I got to find the name of it, but I know that some of these big names you hear on the radio, or I mean, on TV and in the media, are involved in the propagation of technology to enrich, you know, human beings and, and shape them in one direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that that freaks me out a little, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at Shakespeare itself, I don't think that there was a guy by the name of Shakespeare who wrote those. I think it was coming out oh, of no, Sir Francis was, Bacon out of the Invisible College. I, I, yeah, I, I have sort of my own ideas about Shakespeare. I think it was sort of written by by committee. I think Francis Bacon and possibly Kit Marlowe were. I agree. Maybe involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, but, so yeah. anyway, getting back to Cicada three three zero one, what happened next after the second round of games? So basically, it was all quiet up until um, January of the next year. So it's January 5th again, third anniversary. Um, another clue launches. Um, this leads to another Onion site. This leads to um, an interesting collage of uh, William Blake paintings. So it's the picture of Yuri Zen. You're, you're probably familiar with it. Uh, Yuri Zen, um, 
uh, with his hands spread in the sort of um, compass square, basically drawing out the universe after he usurps the other uh, Zoa. And um, it's two of those sort of forming like a little hexagram type of thing. And then on either side of that is a hand uh, from his painting of Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar has those clawed hands on on either side of that. And so there's a bunch of uh, clues and codes hidden in that. And so once people crack through those, they find the first three pages of this book called Liber Primus, which is uh, Latin for first book. Um, It's written in runes, and there's another gematria code that you have to use to solve that. Um, that leads to a magic square that you have to solve, the, um, which is a very old sort of occult concept. I think it comes from Agrippa of um, a square where each column and row add up to the same number. Um, there's like Agrippa's sun square and Saturn square and stuff like that, Mars square. But th- in this one, all the columns and rows add up to 1033. So that's uh, 3301 backwards. And when you crack through that, um, the clues basically no longer even have the pretension of being not occult. Um, They basically just give you these very cryptic messages now about how prime numbers are sacred, and they talk about um, just occult concepts in there. Um, And essentially, this puzzle, or this year's puzzle, 2014, is cut off short. People find the full the full text of Liber Primus, which is dozens and dozens of pages, all in encoded runes that are all coded and ciphered, each page with a different method. And there are little illustrations in them that sort of resemble um, maybe the Voynich manuscript, or um, they strongly resemble the illuminated poems of William Blake or the uh, uh, pages out of uh, Jung's Red Book. They have this sort of mystic vibe to them. Um, But People struggle to decode these pages for years. They, the, the entire text of Liber Primus is not yet decoded. I think people have only decoded maybe five or six pages of the dozens of pages that have been given so far. Wow. So the puzzle basically grinds to a halt. Nobody can solve this. And so the next year rolls around. It's now 2015. And instead of dropping a new clue for a new puzzle for the year, Cicada just says that you get no new clues until you solve Liber Primus. And, well, it's, this was in 2015. It's 2019 now. Um, as of right now, none of, no more progress has been made. That's fascinating. I mean, so that was, that was the end of it. Liber Primus that, pretty much shut everything down. It, it seems like a, 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 unless somebody can crack through it, it seems like it's just a sticking point, yeah. So... How does this tie into this young man who is in um, in Brazil? So um, now it's uh, March 27th, 2017. So Bruno Borges is a 24-year-old philosophy student in Rio Branco, Brazil. This is over on the uh, west side of the country in kind of a rural area by the border of uh, Peru and Bolivia. Okay. So he's described as highly intelligent, um, but he his family says that he's been acting strangely for months, right, before this happens. He's locked in his room. He refuses to eat. He uh, loses a ton of weight, and he basically looks really bad. And so then on March 27th, he disappears. He, he just leaves his house or is taken from his house. No one really knows, and he's just gone. 
Um, so his parents crack open his, his room and they find the most stunning scene inside. Um, every single wall is white and it is covered with densely packed coded language that's of his own, it's his own invention. So, um, it doesn't use any sort of alphabet. There are all these little, uh, just small symbols of his, that he devised himself ostensibly. And inside the room, there are 14 manuscripts, these, these big, they look like phone book manuscripts, um, which, con- which contain the same text and diagrams on the walls. On the walls are a lot of um, sort of uh, like Kabbalistic diagrams, I guess. There's Metatron's cube you can sort of point out. There's some symbols that look like are, uh, of his own invention. Um, there is also a painting of a figure in a white robe with one of the symbols that he invented on its back. And there's a painting of him in, in a white robe with an alien, sort of like a prototypical, like a gray alien, sort of, um, holding him by the shoulder. Right. With Saturn in the background, it looks like it's yes. some kind of initiatory sequence. Or something. Yes, exactly. And so then, but most striking of all is there's a life-size statue of Giordano Bruno in the middle of the room. This is a, a big statue. It's, it's like six and a half feet tall. Um, and so this, nobody quite knows what to make of this. And it basically becomes a huge media circus in Brazil. Um, I, I never heard of this in the States on any of our media. I did. I mean, it kind of flashed around. People, somebody sent it to me and it might have been posted on social media, but it kind of... It didn't go on for very long. People were like, what's this? What's this about? Yeah, yeah. Um, But people on X, so the same paranormal board on 4chan, were freaking out about this. This was a subject of discussion for years. I I still see it posted sometimes, basically. Interesting. Um, But so... um, So basically, people in the Brazilian media ostensibly do their best to basically complicate things um they point out that um borges who's the student who disappeared is the spitting image of giordano bruno they uh speculate that maybe he's the philosopher reincarnated so giordano bruno is a very very interesting guy um he's not a figure that most people are intimately familiar with though a lot of people who are into esotericism have almost certainly heard of him um, he was a 16th century Dominican friar who uh, became deeply involved with hermetic philosophy, the practice of magic and occultism. Um, he left Italy and he traveled all around Europe to Switzerland, to France, to England, to Germany, um, basically traveling t- between colleges and the courts of royalty, which are all sort of the same thing at the time, um, ostensibly just convincing people that he could do magic, um, which worked pretty well. He, he was a favorite of uh, the French king Henry III. And um, he eventually ended up going to Oxford in England. And he there was acquainted with and associated with basically the social circle of spies and academics and diplomats who surrounded John Dee. Right? So he, it's, it's not believed that he ever met John Dee, but they were in England at the same time. So I mean, possible and they were both deeply involved in this sort of hermetic occult philosophy um so bruno was also an expert astronomer he had uh, several positions sort of deemed controversial during the day he was a heliocentrist he uh he believed that there could be life on other planets he uh, proposed that the universe could be infinite 
And um, this is sort of similar to Galileo, who was uh, doing sort of the same work at the same time. Um, a lot of people uh, say that Bruno sort of became a martyr for science. So in 1600, he was tried by the Catholic Church um, for supporting heretical positions. He uh, he ardently believed in reincarnation, and he denied the divinity of Jesus Christ and Mary. He was sort of not really a Christian at all at the end, but he was burned at the stake, and his ashes were thrown in the Tiber. So um, there's a lot of theories as to why this happened. Um, some people say that he was a martyr for science. Um, I personally don't think that's true. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I, I haven't read his book, but apparently in the introduction to one of his books, he, he lists Giordano Bruno as being one of his his sort of idols, <clears throat> um, who saying that he was killed for practicing astronomy. I don't think that's true at all. I, I think that he was ostensibly killed for his theological positions on magic and for practicing magic, basically, in the open. I would agree um, with that as well. I mean, he pretty much denied, I think he denied all the very standard Catholic ideas, which, uh, you know, necessitated his end. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was also apparently very, like, pugnacious. He, he apparently got in just literal fistfights with people that he, he he basically sort of soured a lot of people's opinions on him by being kind of just a jerk. I don't know. So, but anyway, the, the church got rid of him and they, they burned him. So um, then back to Bruno Borges. So basically he's still missing. Um, and people notice that um, in the upper corner of his room next to all this sort of esoteric script that covers the walls, there's a cicada logo. And people aren't really sure to this day exactly how they're connected or if they are directly connected, if at all. Um, but it's interesting to note that Bruno, or uh, Giordano Bruno, rather, in the 1600s, was born in Naples, Italy, in the town of Nola. Okay, Nola sits between two mountains. It's Mount Vesuvius and Mount Cicala, which is also known as Mount Cicada. And so some people put Bruno's birth inside Cicala Castle, which is also known as Cicada Castle. So it, it's, it's unknown to this day whether Bruno thought that there was some connection that maybe he discovered or if maybe he was trying to reach out to the cicada group or maybe if there was some genuine connection between them. Right. And the uh, symbol of the cicada is a, like a moth or something like that. Right. So it's that exact same symbol was in his, in his room in the middle oh, of the it, Amazon. It's, yeah. it's the exact same, it's the exact same image. He, he might as well have printed it out off his computer. It's, right. the, it's a very specific png or jpeg of the cicada it's the exact one so has yeah. anybody translated or um it's the decrypted what he wrote all over his walls um yeah they well they didn't need to so basically the police searched for bruno borges all over the place they couldn't find him except for they talked to some locals in a very rural area in brazil who said they saw him uh go into the jungle um but they searched the jungle they couldn't find him um, eventually, later the next year, he just came back, and um, he was interviewed um, by Brazilian TV, and he comes off to me as basically like mentally ill or like a crazy person. I don't know, but he um, he himself then took the uh, writing that was all over his walls. He translated it himself, and he released it as a book um, in Brazil. Um, which instantly became a bestseller. Everyone had followed this media circus, and he 
basically made a ton of money off of it. So a lot of people think it was just a marketing stunt. Do you know um, what the contents of that work contains, or is it still in um, Portuguese? Um, it, it's only in Portuguese. It has not been translated to English, um, uh, and I can't find a copy of it here in the U.S. Um, I did talk to a Brazilian guy on Twitter who says that he's read it, and he says that it's basically, in his opinion, nonsense. He says it's essentially like like pretentious pseudo-philosophy. It's so, something that, I don't know, somebody who thought maybe very highly of their own esoteric knowledge might put down. Interesting. So uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that it's probably just a marketing stunt, but there's just some, some niggling doubts. That it, it seems connected somehow. I don't know. Well, it's the same kind of thing. It's like mystery. There's crypto, cryptograms or cryptography involved. There's a mysterious figure. Where did you get your information? There's esotericism. So it's kind of got, if somebody is uh, interested in those things, you've got all the the kind of hot topics for kind of uh, LARP hoax. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, some people are good. Some people, there's other, you know, satanic crime hoaxes that are out there because the people know the information that people are interested in. So, of course, if you master that information, you can create, you can LARP it, you can hoax it. Um, whether yeah, you're exactly. Some, some, sometimes the, the LARP suddenly turns into a little bit more than a LARP. Right. Well, that's true as well. I mean, wouldn't you say something like this is a little bit more than a LARP if that guy, you know, if people... I, I mean, he, he triggered a, a massive police search and he was being looked for for months in Brazil. I mean, it was it was a real event. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah. Uh, interesting. So is there anything else? We're at about 50 minutes. Is there anything else I missed or anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, just uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. And again, your um, your Twitter feed is Saturnalia Sundown. So two different words, S-A-T-U-R-N-A-L-I-A Sundown. And there's also some really, I mean, just great posts. I really was just looking through your whole feed about occultism and music and uh, insights into... What goes down in New Orleans of particular interest was a picture of, you know, one of these uh, groups doing a parade. And it says, I mean, it has the the mystic crew with a K, you know, spelled with a K. But I think one of these was like, uh, you know, somebody do what thou wilt or something. Was, oh, crew what thou wilt was the insignia with the, the Yeah, th- th- that's actually the, um, the local <clears throat> chapter of the OTO oh, okay. participates in the Mardi Gras parade. So you can see they have like the, uh, the insignia of Babylon on yep, there and stuff. That's perfect yeah. sense, the Hydra, everything else. So um, anyway, I, I highly recommend people check out his tweets and follow him on Twitter. So again, Sundown, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, cool. All right, let me stop this.